0: to a Wildcat Insider. I think it's fair to say now these days, Wildcat Insider after dark. I think it's dark enough, isn't it? Or at least it's getting there. Dusk. It is that time of year, sir. Yeah, it sure is. It's overlap season. K-State football and basketball playing at the same time this month and uh, at least during the same part of the year now with uh, K-State men's basketball two games in and 2-0. and 0. The K-State women are 2-0. and 0. And K-State football beating Baylor by the final score of 31-3 in Waco, Texas this past Saturday to get the Cats to 7-3 overall, 5-2 in Big 12 play and alone in second place in the Big 12 standings. What Y and I were talking about in the last segment, if K-State wins at West Virginia, Texas loses to Kansas on Saturday. The Cats are in, baby. They're in. They're on their way to Arlington for the Big 12 championship game. And you know, I'm not a KU fan, I like to watch him squirm a little bit, watch him lose a few games here and there. I would say though, with Texas jumping to the SEC, you know what? For where K State's at and what it can mean, I want K U to win on Saturday. I want KU to beat Texas, and then I think it's even sweeter when, hey, all right, KU helps you get into the Big 12 championship game, and then the following week you stomp them at home for Senior Day. I, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Honestly, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. So what? They get to seven wins. Good for them. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. With that formula, that scenario,
1: right? To to be blunt, if you're a real true, true blue quote K State fan, uh, I think that's the the way to go with it. Um, They've they've had a good year, and we mentioned last hour that uh, you know they're playing right now for the better bowl games. There's no question about that. They did not play very well against Texas Tech, but at home against Texas, after beating Texas a year ago down there in Austin, I think you'll see a couple of motivated teams. We'll see, but but the Cats, you know, this will be a very interesting thing. They were so good in the in the win at Waco, 31 to three. People are so excited and and should be for what they're doing um, and hopefully where they're headed. Uh, but this is one that we talked about this a little bit briefly last hour. You, you you concern yourself with it because Morgantown's a hard place to play. This is a an okay, probably a little better than okay West Virginia team, but not like towards the top third or so of the league. Um, it's winnable game, but you got to go win it. Got to you know. Put together a good plan, go down there and execute, and
0: and if you do that, things probably will work out just fine. Let's see weather Saturday in Morgantown, calling for a high of 36 and partly sunny. Uh huh. Going to be a little bit chilly. Sure. Over there in Morgantown, but it is mid to late November.
1: That's not all that. You know what? It's better than snowing or raining, right?
0: I mean, yeah. You, you take it, and and hopefully not windy. And if you haven't heard yet, K State KU. A week from Saturday, two days after Thanksgiving, it's going to be a 7 o'clock kickoff. 7 o'clock p.m. at the Bill and televised on Fox. According to my research, KU playing on Fox is the first terrestrial TV broadcast. What that means is over-the-air broadcast. Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC. First time they'll play... On a terrestrial TV channel since 1968, a game that was televised on ABC, and KU unfortunately won that game. I'll bet that 68 game is a pretty good one. Uh, you,
1: you're too young, but I can tell you both of those teams in 68 were pretty good. I have no, no clue. That, trust, trust me. Just take right. my word for it, Cowboy. They, they were both good. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting to have that one on, on Big Fox. Won't kid you about that. I, I'm excited for that one. We'll see how it goes this weekend for both teams as they try to I mean, if if both win, I mean just think about what the excitement level is going to be like for that football game for the first time in a while in Sunflower Showdown.
0: Yeah, we know That's it's, exciting. and it's sold out. We already know it's sold out. I've oh, seen yeah. on uh, on uh, on social media people trying to sell their tickets or people are are desperately trying to find some tickets offering like two hundred three hundred bucks a piece for a ticket. Uh, yeah, so the secondary markets, I'm sure, are going to be running wild as we get closer to the game. Are they hitting you game. up for tickets yet? Uh, yes, like I that. have been hit up for tickets. I have twice today. I don't have much of an answer for them. Well, it, it's <laughs> been family asking yeah. me. Yep, yep. And I, I, I basically let them know. I was like, hey, I can get only a certain amount. Right. And that that allotment has been filled. I'm sure. So if anybody else is thinking about hitting me up, Sorry, I probably can't help you. But I've probably been asked by four or five different people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah, and it, it's – hey, we're not there yet. You'll be asked a few more times,
0: I'll bet you. Oh, I, yeah, yep. I won't be – yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me whatsoever. So, again, this Saturday at West Virginia, one o'clock kick that's televised on ESPN+. Of course, the action right here on K-Man with Ryan and Stan and Matt on the call. And then a week from Saturday, 7 p.m. for that kick. It's probably going to be cold. Hopefully not windy, but it's probably going to be cold. And uh, of course, right here on K Man Power K Game Day will start three o'clock a week from Saturday. So let's get into the drama now. We're we're back at it, the quarterback conversation. Adrian Martinez is injured in the second drive, picking up a, a was it third down or was it it was was a third or fourth down? I think third. I'm not positive, but I have to look back at the actual play by play sheets. QB Snake, great effort, but. His leg was landed on awkwardly. He comes out. He was slow to get up, comes out, and doesn't return for the rest of the game. For the rest of the game, it's Will Howard. And I got to say, not too shabby. Wasn't perfect, but it wasn't too bad. Threw for three touchdowns. Nearly threw for 200 passing yards. Didn't turn over the football. I mean, what more could you ask for, honestly? You kicked Baylor's butt on the road. Both offense and defense kicked Baylor's butt. Well, it was a very, very good overall team
1: effort. There's no question. And K State dominated really pretty much start to finish. They had a long drive to start the game, came up empty, unfortunately, but that was like a 13 play drive. And that was kind of what led to the rest of the game, honestly. You know, 37 minutes and 37 seconds worth of possession time, getting over 400 yards in total offense, holding Baylor to. <laughs> You know, just a little over a hundred yards and three hundred six total yards. Hundred, just over a hundred rush. I guess I should say, um, it, it's there were just so many guys that that made plays in the game, and uh, we talked about this briefly last hour, but it's it's you got to say it again. Uh, K State won this game at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball.
0: Now, Coach Kleiman was asked after the game if Adrian Martinez, you know, was, was he at any point okay to come back in if needed. We
1: think he would have been. Um, we were trying to keep him warm in, in hopes that he could come back if we needed him to, but I don't think he would have been
0: 100%. So, that comment alone, that was to me the biggest comment we heard from Coach Kleiman after the game. Adrian could have come back in, wouldn't have been 100%. Could have come back in. I mean, that could mean a couple of things. It could mean one, well, if he's not 100%, we didn't want to gamble it, or, t- you know, and it also could mean, and it could mean both actually. That will Howard was just playing so well. They're like, all right, let's just now let's roll with the hot hand. Let's see how Will does. If we need to take him out, we will. There, there wasn't anything close to that resembled. Hey, Will Howard struggling. We need to take him out. Will with another great performance. And now you're going to be hearing. And I don't think. Yes, it was. I think it's fair to say split. You know, the crowd was like, oh, we want Will Howard or we want Adrian Martinez. There's absolutely an argument for both. And again. I'll make this statement without or with saying that this is nothing to do with you know I'm I'm not in any way downgrading the year that Adrian Martinez has had. I just think Will Howard has been a little bit better. I really do. That's that's where I am. I think he should be the starter moving forward. Once again, Adrian doesn't seem to be 100% I don't want in any way a playbook or anything limited because of the you know the ability at the point and time of of Adrian Martinez, and I, I'm going to get to some numbers here in just a little bit, but I think you know the the growing interest in Will Howard being the guy is growing significantly at this point. Oh, well, I certainly understand that. I think
1: let's go back to Coach Kleiman's comments for just a moment because I think you hit on something there that is uh, pretty interesting because. You could listen to that and surmise a couple of two or three different things. The first thing that popped him in, into my mind when I heard him say that was, was, for me, I don't really think he was 100% even going into the game. No, you can definitely argue that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Then on top of that, he injures his leg um, and, and leaves the game. So where is he really? And I think that's going to be the question that, that Coach Kleiman will have to address. I should say have to address. I guess he didn't have to necessarily go there. But he will be asked tomorrow about the status of, of Adrian Martinez. I think we understand that. Yeah, don't and be late. Also, 1230. Don't yeah, be late. And he'll also be asked about, you know, where are you with this deal? And um, you know what? Those are legitimate questions and, and should be asked. I mean, it's obvious. Um, not sure. Um you know, what What the answers will be. You know, up to this point, he has talked about that Adrian Martinez is the starter of the football team. Is that different now? Maybe. We don't know, but maybe. Will, you, you have to say that Will has done a really, really nice job. And I, you know, what, what <laughs> I guess I'll just say this and hopefully not make too many fans mad, but I, I don't think the coaches are too concerned about you know what the fans necessarily want. They're, I think they're going to look at it like, well, what's best for the team? If that's Will Howard, great. If it's Adrian Martinez, great. If it's both in combination, okay too. So tomorrow will be interesting. And as you said, that pressure starts at twelve thirty, and I'm sure there'll be some people watching online. What do you bet?
0: Well, yeah, I, there's going to be a great audience, and yeah. that's going to be you know the first questions, of course, asked out of the gate. If it's Fritz, whoever asking the first questions, it you know it's going to be it. Uh, because that's what the people want to know the most. Sure. You know, moving forward, who's who's it going to be? And uh, you know, at this point, I would be very surprised. You know, we don't know a whole lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is Will Howard moving forward. I think when Coach Kleiman made the statement that uh, you know it's kind of a week by week discussion, I think that to me it clearly meant the door is absolutely open to have Will Howard be the guy. Well, you said a lot there, and I think I would would
1: try to help with that point in that. You know, there was a time a few weeks ago where I do believe that they wanted to continue to try to get the red shirt with Will. As we continue to progress a week and then two and then three later, that's probably a little bit more off the table. Let's be honest. Um, You're in a situation now, especially after this weekend, where you perform really, really well and beat Baylor. TCU performs well and beats Texas. Now you're in second place by yourself behind TCU, who you'd like another shot at to get to Arlington, Texas, December 3rd. So <laughs> Will's the guy going forward okay, uh, and I think Will will be fine with that. I think that's the best part, uh, or one of the, the best parts, is that he – I mean this sincerely. I think both of those guys are all about what's, what's good for the team, uh, not that they don't both want to have the job. I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I just wish uh, – I, I, I'm just going to be blunt about this. I feel for Adrian for not being 100% healthy. Uh, I wish he were. But he's not necessarily and has not been for a few weeks. As we get deeper here and Will continues to thrive, you know, you, you have to ask – You know, he's been good enough to to probably be a starter. Simply stated.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said it. It it would be a different story if a Big 12 championship game wasn't on the line. Correct. And, um, you know, I I think at this point a lot of the fans feel like their best shot at even winning it is in the hands of Will Howard because, you know, Adrian isn't 100%. And I think there's no doubt that Will Howard has passed the eye test. You've seen the differences the tempo of the offense, the execution, the play calling, it just feels more open and successful with Will Howard at quarterback. Yeah, and who would have thought
1: that that was going to be the case when he trotted out there for the TCU game? <clears throat> if you're being honest and I'm being honest and the fans are being honest, there was probably quite a bit of doubt. That doubt has disappeared. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. great part of, of this because he, he said, you know, multiple times, that it's different now. The game has slowed down for him. We had a, a audio bite last hour about him talking about the throw to Ben Senate and describing it in, in real football terms. You know, with the with the single high safety and those kind of things. He's grown, um, and and now with the game slowing down and him seeing things better with the people around him, um, he's just more productive again, nine touchdown passes in limited time is is pretty darn impressive so you're you're dealing with a, a young man who's who's performing well and is exceptionally exceptionally confident right
0: at the moment. You can understand why I want to uh, I want to bring up some numbers real quick comparing Adrian Martinez to will Howard. and uh, I did not do this work. I want to give all the credit to a certain individual um, who I'm in a group chat with. I can't remember if he said that it was okay to to quote him on this. But I just want to say he's a, he's a big KSU fan, great high school coach in football, if I'm giving enough hints there. Um, so this is in Big 12 play and does not count garbage time scores. AJ Martinez has been QB1 for 48 drives, 13 touchdowns, that's 27% of the drives, eight field goals, that's another 17%, 20 punts, that's 42% with three fumbles, in an interception, and two turnovers on downs. That's 2.4 points per drive. Will Howard has been QB1 for 21 drives. This is not garbage time. 21 true drives. 13 touchdowns. That's 62% of the drives with one field goal, four punts, an interception, two missed field goals. No drives have ended on fumbles or turnover on downs. Will Howard, at quarterback, averages four point four eight points per drive.
1: That's pretty good work, right there. And, and the, this, num- the numbers tell you a lot.
0: Yeah, and the sample size just—it only grew positively with the Baylor game, correct? And to me, now that—that that was the previous argument. Well, I just need more out of Will Howard. I need to see the consistency. I need more of a sample size. Well, you've, I think you've now seen three games. I think it's fair to say three games. Where you've seen really great football at a Will Howard, you know, and if you want to bring the argument to the table of you know the second half against TCU, listen, that was a really weird second half. Players were dropping like flies. Will himself even got hurt, tried to come back in the game, and he did. And guess what? The the offense started to get better again once he came back into the game and nearly got a touchdown to make it a one score game. Plus, those two missed field goals I mentioned in Will's numbers. That was in that TCU game, which could have kept K-State in within a score. That's correct. So yeah. there you have it. That's my argument. Uh, big thank you to uh, my friend in my group chat on those numbers. That was really <laughs> great work. Not my numbers. Again, I want to give all the credit to that certain individual. And uh, also credit to D. Scott Fritchin and Ryan Lackey for this stat I mentioned in the first hour. Will Howard had thrown for nine touchdowns in the last three games. That's the most ever in three consecutive games in program history. Josh Freeman, L. Roberson, Chad May all shared the record previously at 8. Let's talk K-State hoops after the break. So oh, I'm going to shout out a little bit of information here. I, I'm just actually now catching this, even though it came out this morning, so sorry. But at least I'm getting it out there. Uh, the Big 12 Conference has formed a business advisory board comprised of entrepreneurial icons and industry leaders. Basically, it's a board formed to help co-author the conference's business strategy. I'll throw out a couple of names that's on this list of people. Elliot Hill, who helped; it fo- uh, he was a founder of Nike is one of them. Dallas Mavericks head coach Jason Kidd is one. Uh, Another name that really popped out to me, Garth Brooks is on this board. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this Brett Yormar guy has some friends. I think he's got a very interesting contacts list on his phone. I'm still looking at the names, by the way, to see if anybody pops out. (laughs) Well, we said... When we first heard that he was going to be
1: the new commissioner of the Big 12, that uh, expect an uptick in a big way with marketing and yeah. these types of things, and that certainly has has played out to this point. Um, I think everybody is excited for where the conference sits today, but more importantly, you know, kind of where they're headed moving forward. Um, even though Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the league in 2 years there's there's a lot of things to be excited about and i i i believe that for sure he's he's really put a interesting plan i guess together um you know i mean a lot of people thought that the tv contract w- would not happen until you know the end of this current one that that ended up being false um he's done things like this to make you think that you know Bigger things are on the horizon, I'll put
0: it that way. Well, maybe Garth Brooks is brought in for uh, you know, strategy and ticket sales because if anybody's familiar with the way Garth Brooks does it, oh sure. Every seat in the place is the exact same price. He had a show two summers ago in Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, took my girlfriend, and every ticket in that in that place, every ticket was, was ninety bucks or something like that. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're front row or if you're all the way in the nosebleeds in row forty five. 90 bucks for everybody. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, let's go over to uh, K-State Hoops. Jeff Mitty and his K-State women's basketball team are 2-0. and And I got to say, one of the more unique games I've ever seen in K-State women's basketball history took place on Friday uh, against Wisconsin. Basically a road game, but it was at American Family Field, the home of the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Cats get it on 70, 77-63. I watched the whole game. Cats down ten after the first, and I was like, "Oh boy, Wisconsin scored twenty three points." I'm like, and they're playing really good defense. I was like, "Man, this is uh, this is gonna be really tough. This is gonna be really tough, especially with really no inside game." Well, the cats took a lot of threes in this contest. They were a ten of thirty eight, and they were taking some early threes in the shot clock. A lot of them were like with still at least twenty seconds on that shot clock. They were firing away fast. And when we get Coach Mitty on next, I want to ask him about that, like just the strategy behind that. What was the thoughts? Because honestly, even though they're still missing some, I mean, it's kind of working. I mean, the Glens, Gabby Gregory, Serena Sundell—if uh, I'm—they—they they all, I mean, stepped up and hit some big shots. Sure did. And it wasn't just some long bombs. I mean, they were stepping inside and making some plays as well, making some nice moves. K State just twelve turned the ball over twelve times. And they were 26% from three-point range. But you know what? It somehow worked its way out to win by 14 points against Wisconsin on the road.
1: Well, when you make – I mean, I don't care how many you shoot, but if you make 10 threes and you turn the ball over only 12 times and you get 25 from your star player, Gabby Gregory, you probably are going to be in the game and have a shot, right? And I think that's how it played
0: out. Gabby Gregory with 25 points and along with – uh, her point total, she averaged 22 for the week, so you know 44 points total. Uh, the other game was against the Sugar Bears of Central Arkansas. She was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. Her first week with the Cats. There you go. She's Big 12 Player of the Week. And, uh, boy, do they have a tough one on Thursday. Because Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes, who are ranked fourth in the country, I think they're still number 4, are coming into to, to Bramwich for an 8 o'clock tip-off. Now, of course, that was scheduled with – Aoka Lee in mind and having that marquee matchup. Uh, unfortunately, she's out for the season. K-State will still have their hands full, but it's a big matchup. And it's also locked up with the doubleheader with the K-State men, who will be hosting Kansas City. But I want to point out that K-State women will play three games in four days before they have their Thanksgiving tournament. So the next day, at home, they'll play against UTRGV and then play another game on Sunday. Yeah. So they're going to be very, very busy these next two weeks with <laughs> Six games in two weeks. Yeah. It's not like
1: the men are taking it slow, really. Uh, they they just, of course, won at Cal Berkeley on Friday, 63-54 to go to 2-0. and And they'll play the first game of the Thursday twin bill at five thirty against Kansas City, the Ruse, um, who, by the way, play tonight. They're 0-3 and will play tonight. Uh, and then the Cats will fly out on Saturday for the Grand Caymans tournament. They'll play... Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week, and we'll start with Rhode Island in that tournament. So, yeah, busy time for them, too, and you know what? They go out on the road, they beat Cal, led by 20, dwindled to one, won by nine. It was not perfect, necessarily, but a nice, nice win on the road. Your first effort out there, and Keontae Johnson led the way with 16-9 and in just about 33, 34 minutes, I guess, so Really nice win for the Cats.
0: Now, I, I mean, I can't give you the best breakdown of the Cal game. I was calling a Manhattan High football game at the same time, trying to keep up with the score, and it was also on that dumb Pac-12 network that nobody has access to. you got to pay a month for Fubo or whatever it is, to even get to watch the game. But you're right. Keontae Johnson nearly had that double-double. From what I could gather, which, by the way, happened in two games now, where there was a behind the back pass from Marquise Noel and it led to a dunk from Naquan Tomlin. Mm-hmm. If we get that every game, I'm totally fine with that, Wyatt. Oh, sure. I love that kind of entertainment. Well, here's the, the it isn't just the good entertainment
1: value, although you love it, and I get that, and I think everybody does. But the one thing that has excited me is, is that. Marquise Noel has started to play and take a little bit better care of the basketball and boy, does it make a difference. Let me let me just read off his line from the game Friday night. He had 13 points, 7 assists, 3 steals and only 2 turnovers in 34 minutes. Yes, he was just 3 of 11 from the floor but was 6 of 7 at the free throw line. So, you want to take 7 to 2 assist to turnover every every game? Absolutely. And, and the third guy in double figures there was Naquan, and of course, <laughs> you know, he's pretty athletic in his own right. He had 11 points in 26 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the two players that turned around that game for K-State when they went on that lull of not scoring. I think they were stuck on 42 points for a while, and Cal made that comeback. Yep. Yeah, it, Keontae Johnson was making plays on his own, and then on both ends of the floor was Marquise Noel making plays. And it wasn't just scoring the basketball, making some great passes. He had a really great steal in the last couple of minutes of the game where you know, Cal was just inbounding the basketball, and, and uh, Marquise just took the ball away and went up for a score, and he got fouled, so he got to the line a couple of times. Well,
1: here, here's the thing that I'll point out. Okay, Let's pretend you don't know whether K-State won or lost. Okay, K-State at Cal Berkeley, 21 of 57 from the floor, 37%. And they made five of 19 threes, but won the game by nine. Reason being, basically 40% shooting for Cal Berkeley and probably fortunate to get to 40. They really struggled. They had 22 turnovers in the game. K-State's defense is playing at a really high level very early.
0: Yeah, and even the game on Monday was a great example of their good defense as well, winning 93-59 over UTRGV, where they forced 26 yeah. turnovers in that game. Maybe not all of them forced, but quite a few of them were. I mean, 26 is a ton of turnovers. If you just force 20 of them, that's an excellent number. And also, like you mentioned, forced how many turnovers they forced? 22 and six from Devin Askew, who's their best player for, uh, for Cal?
1: And he scored some. There's no doubt about that. Yeah,
0: he had 17 points. He knocked down a couple of triples. Yeah. but And I'm sure if you ask Drumtang at the end of the day, you know the assist-to-turnover ratio for K-State wasn't great. 15 turnovers to just 9 assists. They weren't sharing the basketball as well as they should have. Maybe shared it a little too much with the opponent. But that defense forced that, that, that other team to share the basketball with you quite a bit. Well, defense... <laughs> Usually doesn't
1: slump. You, you can have a shooting slump here or there, but if you play as hard as they're playing right now in, in terms of defending uh, and, and you rebound, you give yourself a chance every night. I get it that it's cliche-ish, but it is so. And, and I, am, I am of the belief that this
0: team is good enough defensively that they're going to be in a lot of games this year. Well, I mean, Coach told us a number of times before the season started this is going to be a defensive team. Oh, sure. They're, they're going to be yeah. good at defense, you know, offense, they're going to have great nights, and sometimes they won't have great nights. <laughs> right. But they're going to play good defense. Well,
1: on the nights that they shoot you know, pretty well, mm-hmm. look out with the way they defend, right? I mean, it, and it, we know that it gets harder as you get into league play, but they, they give themselves a, a shot every night to, w- with the defense.
0: Well, what do you say, Wyatt? When we come back, we jump back to football and talk about the Mountaineers. Let's do it. Next on Wildcat Insider. We're back to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, with Hall of Fame, voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Birkeland with us as well, and Wyatt's been doing me a solid during a couple of, uh, of a few of our breaks. As I mentioned uh, pretty close to the top of the show that, uh, you know, moving forward, I'm still nervous. Even though K-State has a easier schedule than what they faced in the last four games to finish the regular season with what's on the line, I'm still nervous. Uh, but Wyatt's been giving me a few nuggets here and there about the uh, the upcoming opponent and how K-State has an, an advantage here and there. So, you know what, Wyatt? Let's now bring those to air, I suppose, about sure. the West Virginia Mountaineers. And, I, I mean, to me right now, the story about them that reflects from the game against Oklahoma with their win 23-20 to is the quarterback that was changed by Neil Brown towards the end of that first half that ended up leading to their first touchdown drive, and they ended up with a tie ball game heading into the mm-hmm. break. But uh, Garrett Green, the sophomore quarterback who came in and replaced JT Daniels, made a huge difference with not only his arm but with his legs. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. The legs probably is the key here. What I would say to you is, is I don't think, even if they start Garrett Green, I don't think they will get totally away from JT Daniels because of his ability to throw the ball. I think you will see both guys. Maybe wrong, but that's that's my sense. He did give them a spark, Garrett Green, Saturday. There's no doubt. And they needed a spark. They weren't doing a whole lot. Daniels is, I mean, the guy's been at USC and at Georgia. I mean, he's a pretty good talent, right? But um, they've, they've struggled to run the ball. That's put more stress on the pass game. He, he does get quite a bit of heat. Um, but, but they're a different animal if he's in there and they're running the football. That's how they beat Baylor, as an example, earlier. Uh, they ran it well enough with Gregory Saturday to, to find a way to beat Oklahoma. So they can be dangerous offensively. Defensively, I think, is where you really want to look and, and say they're not like they've been in recent times. Uh, I mentioned to you, you know, K-State's defense towards the top of the conference. Many believe overall maybe the best defense in the league. Some would say Iowa State, what, whatever you might say. But let's say they're in the top three, which I believe they are. K State's given up 19 total touchdowns this year. West Virginia has given up 42. <laughs> That's a significant difference. A little bit, yeah. So, yeah, they still have Dante Sills and you know some some guys, but but they've, I mean, they're giving up 39 points a game in conference play. So it's it's been a struggle for
0: them. I was looking at the numbers during the break and how in conference play, I mean, West Virginia. It's almost dead last in, in passing defense. They're not the worst, but they're down there in rushing defense. They're giving up five, five yards a carry. I mean, just the defense as a whole. And I don't know the story like – it's not like I've been covering West Virginia that closely this year. But it just – you're right. It hasn't been solid in what it's been in the past. I mean, defensive line-wise even, you know I feel like the conference has some really solid defensive lines. Not quite across the board, but still quite a few. I mean, I think I went into the season feeling West Virginia would be one of those teams. You know, I'm not sure. Hasn't totally yeah. necessarily worked out like they had hoped and
1: and you know, they had a couple of guys that left the program uh in the transfer portal that that probably really hurt. Uh they've also had some injuries. I mentioned they haven't run the ball like they felt like they would. Well, there's a couple of reasons for that too. They they've had some injuries there. The James Gamitter kid um and this is sad. I mean, he lost his mother back on October 30th and hasn't played since then. Hasn't been necessarily healthy either. But boy, that's a that's a that's a tough blow there. No no question. And they've had another couple of guys be banged up. So they're, you know, you go there. There's always concern. You want to be able to execute and you know just get after him and and hopefully just <laughs> you know be be really good again at you know having balance and getting getting after him early. There are no guarantees of that. What you don't want to do is give them any momentum right out of the gate.
0: Right, and I I do like talking about now K-State's defense against the West Virginia offense. I like K-State's chances of making West Virginia one-dimensional. I think the Cats have a better shot this week than they have in in previous weeks. I'd even give them a better shot, even thinking about going into the Baylor game, of keeping West Virginia one-dimensional more than Baylor. That's by just eliminating the run. Because I just – I, I'm not the most confident in West Virginia's running game. Tony Mathis, Mathis averaging 4.5 yards a carry. Yes, C.J. Donaldson is averaging 6 yards a carry, but just as a team, they're around 4.5 yards per mm-hmm. carry. I think that's something K-State should be able to shut down. Now, Donaldson, what I do worry about him is he's a bigger back. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's just a freshman, but he's like 6'2", heavier guy, big yeah. big guy. I he, think he's actually really a tight end slash fullback. Yeah,
1: he, he was uh... – it was a tight end in high school and a really highly recruited guy, but because of need, he has jumped in there and and going into this past weekend, and I don't think he had a carry in, in the game this past weekend. 87 catches, or I'm sorry, 87 rush attempts, nine receptions. So he he's given them a shot in the arm at, at least in some of their games. But I think if healthy and Tony Mathis, who played decently well this last weekend, had missed the previous two games. He's, he's probably going to be your your number one option in the run game if it's not Garrett Green, the quarterback, while he's in
0: there. Yeah, that, what, what stinks now is, yeah, now the coaches have to try to get ready for two quarterbacks. That's right. And uh, even if they think Garrett Green's going to be the guy, you never know what might happen. Now you got two quarterbacks to play in for, which I'm sure West Virginia will be doing the same as well. All right, what we're going to do is we're actually going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at this weekend in the Big 12 next. Ball games there in uh, Indianapolis, whatever the State Farm, whatever it is. Uh, But I would imagine TCU going into this game feeling pretty good about themselves, not worried too much about the Baylor Bears, not too nervous at all.
1: Well, like what we're probably talking about, where you have concerns just because you're on the road, I think Mm -hmm. there is a little bit there. It's pretty obvious that they have a lot really staring them in the face, not just an undefeated season. And winning a Big 12 championship, but making the CFP. It's so hard to do that. And they've got a real shot here with, with two to go. So this is an awfully big game for them. And, you know, they'll be, like, be excited. But I, I just wonder, too, what about Baylor? They just got flattened by the Cats last week. I, I'm yeah. anxious to see how they respond. And these two teams don't,
0: you know, they, they usually put, put on a pretty good show. So we'll see. Yeah, Baylor trying to bounce back from being embarrassed. Meanwhile, TCU, the rest of the season they have, regular season-wise, is Baylor and Iowa State. Uh, Next, 2.30 on FS1. To me, this is the most uh, interesting game other than one other, but uh, very interesting is number 18 Texas, as the way it stands right now, is at Kansas with Texas as a nine-point favorite. I just assume with these two teams, you never count out the Jayhawks. I don't care where the game is at. Did you just say... Texas is a nine-point favorite? Texas is a nine-point favorite. Wow. Well, B. John Robinson is healthy. But last time these two teams played, B. John Robinson was healthy for most of the game. Yeah. And then left in the fourth quarter. I guess I'm just a little surprised. I think that's a little much, but I mean, those people
1: do that for a living. I respect that. Uh, so maybe they know more than I do. But I, I think, well, I think Kansas has a shot in this game.
0: Call the, me crazy. Yeah, the KU situation is the KU or the uh, the QB situation is a little fishy. I understand uh, of, of who it's going to be. Yep, they brought in a third string guy uh, against Texas Tech. You know, is Jason Bean healthy is Jalen Daniels healthy. Or is uh, Bean just getting benched, or whatever the case was. I didn't watch it. K.E. State was playing. So, uh, as weird as it sounds, you know, I'm kind of a – I'm not going to say it. I can't say it, Wyatt. I can't say it. All I'm saying is Texas losing wouldn't break my heart. Right. It wouldn't break my heart. All right. We also have Texas Tech at Iowa State at 6 o'clock on uh, FS1 and – these two teams are just fighting for bowl eligibility at this point. Texas Tech is, hasn't been as great on the road as they've been at home. I mean, Iowa State, they don't score points.
1: And they lose a ton of close games. They do. Just, it's amazing, really, uh, to be honest. If you look at their defense, much like it seems like forever ago than when we were up there, right? But their defense is still, numbers-wise, in a lot of areas – the the best in the conference. They they do have a really good defense, but they have struggled offensively. And are you one that leans towards this will be a higher scoring game because it's tech or not? We'll see.
0: Lower scoring. I think so. Too. Lower scoring. Yeah. Uh and then Bedlam. 6:30 yeah. on ABC, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. I'm leaning Sooners, but this is also really weird because Neither team's ranked. Oklahoma State 7-3, Oklahoma 5-5. Oklahoma trying to play for ball eligibility this late in the season is super weird. Well, and not
1: many more Bedlam's left. So think about that as you sit down and watch Saturday night. All right, it's time for us to bounce. Wyatt, thanks again. Another busy week.